Hi there, neighbor. Welcome to Neighborhood Comics Convo. My name is Lee, and I'm the owner of Neighborhood Comics in Savannah, Georgia. If you'd like to support us, shop this store online at neighborhoodcomics.com and follow us on all social media platforms at NBRHDComics. You can join us on Pop Shop Live on May the 4th for our special Star Wars Day Live sale. Download the app and use the code NCOMIC to find the show. On April 14th, 2021, we talked with Savannah-based artist Meredith Laxton about their new graphic novel, MPLS Sound, released by Humanoids. We have autographed copies available in the shop and online. We hope you enjoy the show, and we'll see you soon in the old comic shop. Hi there, neighbors. Welcome back to Neighborhood Comics in Savannah, Georgia. We're so happy that you're here and made time to swing by the shop. It's new comic book day every Wednesday, and thank you for joining us in our continued creator conversation series. Remember, if you don't want to watch the video, I mean, you should watch the video, but if you also want to just hear this later, this will come out in our podcast feed. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast network platform feeds. Uh, we are Neighborhood Comics Convo. Uh, here at the store, it's a, a pretty big week for new comics. Lots of good stuff out, uh, lots of new number ones, continuations of really excellent series. So lots to check out. Head by head to your neighborhood comic store, wherever that happens to be. And remember, just because we're not in your neighborhood, it doesn't mean you can't be your neighborhood shop. You can shop online anytime at neighborhoodcomics.com. Follow us on all the social media platforms at NBRHD Comics. One of my favorite releases of recent memory, I guess maybe one of the, the books that I have been most looking forward to. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Since I first heard about it, and I first heard about this book about a year ago, uh, is MPLS Sound. This is a new graphic novel. Uh, this focuses on the Minneapolis music scene in the wake of Prince. Uh, so it's uh, got some really cool period stuff in it. I love the materials and how the book was put together. But what I love most is that one of our store favorites is the artist on this book. Meredith Laxton. We're going to bring Meredith in right now. You guys are used to this. There's the countdown, the three, two, one, and there's Meredith. Hey, what's up? Hi, thank <laughs> you for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad to see you. And I'm so happy to talk about this. I mean, this is something that I first heard about from you, probably when we had our little mini con here, mm -hmm. uh, that would have been in uh, March of 2020, right as everything was going to a handbasket bill. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we were right on the wake of everything like that. And I remember just hearing like a couple of buzzwords that were enough to get me excited. And that was prints and music, and it was going to be like a fully realized uh, piece and a story. So Congratulations. Thank you so much. How does it feel it's, after having something that you've been, you know, I, I'm sure that there's the solitary life of working on stuff and only so much you can share as you're going along mm -hmm. with it, but just to have this fully formed book out in the wild today. Um, it kind of doesn't feel real, <laughs> mostly because um, the book was actually supposed to be released last year, um, but because of, you know, the COVID pandemic, everything has just been like, 
pushed back in terms of release dates. So I didn't know if I was ever going to see it, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> Did you have any idea about in terms of what the, how the, the put together the actual materials of the book was going to be like until you actually held it in your hand in terms of I, finish? And yeah, I did get to see occasional um, pages while my colorist and good friend Tanshu was um, su uh, submitting pages for review. And then um, before we set everything off to the printer, I got to look at like a full PDF spread. Um, but that's like not the same as holding a physical copy in your hand. Um, so I did see it. I did know, I had an idea of what everything was going to look like, but um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it definitely makes a difference when it's in print. And two, I think you've got to feel good that humanoids and through their life drawn, I guess, imprint is what this is mm -hmm. part of, uh, for the larger humanoids, uh, publishing, uh, piece is that they, when you back a project, like when you are putting something out there, the cost of materials like plays into to what your investment is. And they spent some money on your book, friend. Like this is oh, with the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That Jen Bartel cover is so good. I remember when I first saw the cover, I was like, well, at least people will buy it because Jen Bartel did the cover. <laughs> and uh, Jen is is rad. Um, I, I've told this story to a lot of people, but at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we got a box from Jen of just stuff that she would take to cons and prints mm -hmm. and pins and whatever was like, hey, I'm not going anywhere. So I'm sending stuff to comic book shops, sell this, mm -hmm. you know, I'm glad you're around. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, yeah, that's I, awesome. And it's that kind of outreach uh, from artists, you know, whether you actually know them, like I've had the chance to get to know you here in the store and in Savannah, or if it is just that kind of um, tangential relationship, even if it's just Twitter DMs or whatever, that, that make me as a shop owner, little pro tip to everybody out there watching, uh, it makes me want to buy your books more <laughs> because I'm like, oh, that person is a solid, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, good business. And you actually went out and picked up a physical copy yourself in a store today. Yes. I what did. was that? What was that like walking in and seeing it on the shelf? And um, so I, a uh, little backstory, I'm out of town helping my mm -hmm. mother with some things right now. And I called a shop in in Raleigh, where I'm currently, to see if they were going to have them, and I asked them to hold a copy for me. Um, so, like, I just walked up to the front, and I was like, hey, you got that book for me? And <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, sure. And then I ended up buying a couple other books, too, because, like, you can't just go to a comic book shop and buy one book. And then my mom <laughs> also bought a book, so we bought two copies of Impula Sound and two other graphic novels. And um, Oh, my mom came with me, too. Like, that was really oh, no. too. She, like, Moms really wanted to. Yeah. I, I love my mom. She's She cracks me up. Um, but it was, it was, uh, like I said, it did kind of feel a little surreal. Like it was almost just like buying a book that I was excited for and not necessarily because it was mine. It was just like, oh yeah, I've been waiting for this book to come out. I'm so excited to read it, even though like I drew it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm sure just during this, you know, hopefully we're on the end of all this, this weirdness we've all been dealing with, but the mm -hmm. idea that at some point before too long, hopefully you'll get to see people in person, whether at cons or at stores doing signings or whatever, and get to kind of hear that feedback and get to meet people who mm -hmm. have enjoyed it. Have you started to get any of that just online? I know it's only today, but like that sort of thing kind of filtering through a little bit. Yeah, I have a little bit. There's been some pretty good feedback from people who really like the book and are yeah. excited about it. Um, I did see one comment where someone was upset because we changed the name of one of the... Um, very uh, popular locations in Minneapolis, but but that's not the case at all because 
before 1981, this location was named something else and we're trying to be historically accurate. So like I chimed in and I was like, well, actually, like as if, as if I know everything and I like put a little article and I was like, there you go, a little information for you. Um, but so far the reception's been pretty good. Weird, a comic book fan mm -hmm. and a music pedant who just wanted to correct somebody on the internet. So weird, I can't, I can't yeah, imagine who, that. Who would, who would do that? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody I know personally. Uh, you know, when you first were telling me about the book, I kind of, you know, you just hear a couple of words and one of those words is Prince. And I'm like, oh, is this going to be like a license? Because, you know, this was after Prince had already passed. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't really know quite at that time what his estate was going to be doing with unreleased music. You know, we're, we're starting to see a lot of that now. Um, and I was like, oh, is that something to some degree? Do you even have to have licensed or have to have buy-in obviously it probably gives you some additional cachet but when i got the book it's it's not a book about prince it's a it's a book mm -hmm. in which uh prince exists <laughs> and yeah and, and is yeah. a force and uh you there may be a character who looks a lot like him who has a nice little discussion about names <laughs> but, but uh was that you know for the character design and everything you're looking at tell me a little bit about in terms of your research side of it, as you're doing these mm -hmm. super fun 80s costumes and just streetwear and all of that, what were you looking mm -hmm. to? Um, well, the costumes definitely were a huge uh, drive in the uh, re the research that I did. And um, I mean, I looked at like Prince and the Revolution and like controversy era and like his whole like flamboyant style and that's also kind of something I wanted to perpetuate just in the aesthetics of the book especially in the uh, on stage performance scenes um as for like just the casual streetwear because to me MPSL, M MPLS sound takes place kind of in two worlds it's like the very suburban rural mundane normal and then the like flashy nightlife music scene where it's like completely out of this world so everyone has like two sets of clothes most of the time. Like they're very normal duds versus their like costumes. And um, I actually got a lot of inspiration from looking at old photographs of my dad and his family from like the seventies and eighties. And um, that was, that was a trip because I definitely found a picture of my dad in a crop top and I was not expecting that. Um, <laughs> Some pictures probably aren't meant to be dug up, but oh, you know. No, no I'm, I'm going to hold on to it forever. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, as you're talking about that, probably for me, just being a, I'm not a, I love Prince. I, I, I own all of the main release records and I had the chance to see him live, but I'm not a Prince expert. I'm not going to pretend to be one of those people. Um, but when you're talking about that idea of the mundane and the stage life, I always, I mean, just the thought of, um, of Purple Rain, of the movie itself. Did you go mm -hmm. back? Have you seen that? Or is that something that you even kind of... I saw bits and pieces of it. Yeah. Um, a lot of the research that I was doing, I was watching a lot of music videos just because they're like short and you can consume a lot of them in, <laughs> in a short setting. Um, but like, I would love to watch the film like in one sitting, all of it, you know, together instead of just like little clips that have no context. <laughs> well, the difference in that really is uh, from what you described is Prince wears those outfits home. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He's, he lives that lifestyle 
24-7. Definitely as it was portrayed <laughs> in, his, in his pseudo biopic, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, the the pirate shirts, the ruffly shirts, and the sequins, mm -hmm. and the, oh my gosh. I mean, nobody did did it like him, of course. Uh, mm -hmm. And and even like with the, um, with his, with like you said, with the revolution, you've got women who are wearing, as, or his side projects, your Vanity Sixes and whatnot, that are wearing not very much. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and then you've got guys dressed like as a doctor or, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, like almost like the village people in a way. So yeah. did that give you just like a lot of, how much of the costuming or how much of that feel was scripted versus what you just brought to it? Um, so there is, I don't want to like give away too much, mm -hmm. but, um, the, the premise of the story is that the main character, Teresa Booker, is trying to start a band that could possibly share a stage with Prince like yes. as his band. And um, one of the things that the writers really wanted to kind of uncover and talk about is some of the more um, problematic aspects of Prince in terms of like how he felt people should be represented and like the image that he wanted portray portrayed. Um, Specifically, our main character, Teresa Booker, is a darker skinned black woman. And Prince was definitely a little, it, he definitely exhibited a lot of like colorism in terms of like kind of his entourage. Um, and those and women also, that he supported. Yeah. Like the yeah. ones that did go on to form the, the girl groups or even like the people mm -hmm. he wrote songs for, like the Bengals or whatnot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and definitely like thinner women. And Teresa is a little bit more full figured. Mm -hmm. um, and so not only like physically, is she trying to fit into this mold that isn't quite for her? But like, there's even a scene, and I think it's printed on the back of the book, the band in all of their very Prince yes. ensemble regalia. And like, that is a scene where they're wearing these costumes and they, that's the first time they feel like costumes. Yeah. And I think that is like, it's kind of like my favorite takeaway from the book. It's just like, um, how they kind of evolve into finding out that this is what they actually, they, they got the thing that I want and it's not really what they want. And it is. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at it at a glance, it does look like a pastiche of that revolution era, mm -hmm. but then their faces, they're all so kind of dismayed. And yeah, confused. yeah. And yeah. Uh, it, yeah, like I think that in that one visual, you sum that up really well. Like it's mm -hmm. maybe not quite what they thought it was going to be. Yeah. So in a way there's like a major spoiler on the back cover of the book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not realizing that like ooh maybe should they have put that there <laughs> yeah. again that's the just look at the costumes or just look at the costumes yeah. and just look at, it just looks nice Prince just say the word Prince and people are like oh yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to turn back the clock a little bit and and ask you some questions uh, or talk to you a little bit about um, your kind of introduction to the world of of comics or cartooning or sequential or, you know, all the fun kind of stuff that falls in together with that. Do you remember the first time that you saw something that you connected with, you know, something as being a cartoon or a comic, or even mm -hmm. if it was an actual printed comic book or graphic novel, do you, do you have something like that? Yeah, I definitely first got my uh, step into comics on graphic novels and specifically um, more like graphic memoirs. Mm. Um, I, when I was young, like I loved Persepolis. I love that book so much. It like really kind of informed like what a comic could be and the kind of stories that it could tell. How did you get um, hep to that? I mean, you know, if you were, I don't know how old you were when you were that, but was that something that you saw in a store or were gifted? How did that connect to you? Actually, my mom had got it. Mm. Um, 
And I'm not really quite sure why, but my mom is kind of keen to like interesting things like that. So um, I don't know. She just had it and like she like was like, oh, hey, you should check out this book that I got. Like, it's pretty cool. And um, I think like from there, like I just started. I, I mean, I had read manga and like um, other comics in the past, but like that was the first time where I was kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it like kind of really clicked with me. I was like, oh, this is like this is like a very powerful medium. Like it's not just fun. I love the fun aspect of it, but it can also be like very emotional and like emotionally charged and like touch people. And um, from there, like I I read some other books, like I love Skim from Jillian Tamaki. It's like one of my favorites. Um, I love A Serious Polyp. Um, Like, I mean, I love comics. (laughs) I love this. I love this. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I get a lot of, oh, well, you know, it was the, the Sunday comics, you know, mm-hmm. or it was even like if it was like watching Dragon Ball or something like that, you know, they just kind of informed oh, yeah. that idea of, of of these kinds of images, you know, representing mm-hmm. uh, real things in a kind of a simplified or a fantastical way. But man, you just off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had always wanted to do art for a yeah. long time. And I was actually originally and I like I read manga and I watched anime and I played video games and originally I wanted to do video game design and uh, concept art and um, even like book illustration for tabletop games like that's kind of where I was like really excited and I kind of started honing my skills in that direction um, and then I got a job working for a um, an indie game developer uh, called Puny Human and I still work with them occasionally like they're really good people I love them um, but it just wasn't quite the, the storytelling that I thought it would be and what I wanted it to be. And, uh, I had a friend who had gone to SCAD and was like, oh, you know, they have a sequential art department. Like they do like comics and stuff. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And so that is, uh, that brought you to Savannah, that brought you to the mm-hmm. Savannah campus for that. And, uh, who were some of your professors when you were here? Oh, oh man. Um, <clears throat> John Lowe. Yeah. Uh, who is iconic. Like you can hear him from two miles away. Um, Tom Lyle, who, uh, you know, as you know, passed recently and yeah. like he was, he was a very close mentor of mine. I actually went to France with him to study abroad and I was his TA and, um, oh man, he was great. He's, he's such a sweet guy. Like I love Tom Lyle. Like I think a lot of people may have been rubbed the wrong way by him, but he always meant well. He was just a little awkward. Oh, it was just personality. Um, you know, I, I wish that I would have been able to spend more time with him, but he made it mm-hmm. a point to come into the store when we opened, when we mm-hmm. had one of our first kind of bigger themed show, he donated a two page Spider-Man spread, like, you know, on the wall. Yeah. I mean, and was so thrilled to sign anything you put in front of him. And mm-hmm critique his own work as well as I'm sure he gave it to students and everything else. And yeah. uh, I actually was breaking down a collection that we bought uh, yesterday and right in the middle, there were about 20 books in a row that all had Tom covers, Yeah, you know? And so, yeah. you know, when you make work like this, you're never really gone, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is really cool, but yeah. Who yeah. else? Yeah. yeah. Um, also, well, also before I go on, uh, oh, Tom yeah. is the, person who introduced me to Fabrice, who was the original editor for Emperor Sound and oh. the, the brainchild originator. Um, so in a way, he, he got me this gig. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I've also, you know, I've had classes with Rashad. I've had a lot of classes with Rashad, actually. I, I like him. He's cool. What a blast. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Robert Atkins. 
who is so knowledgeable, um, John Larison, Duncan, um, Mark Neese. It was just all of them. I love it. I'm just getting you to literally name the entire sequential I could, yeah, staff. Just like or somebody's going to be like, Meredith forgot me. <laughs> this is oh, all what it is. This is me just leading you down that road. Oh, <laughs> like, no. So oh. I can lord it over somebody at least. <laughs> I don't I don't like that. <laughs> I'm, just you. I'm just using you. So a lot of the current crop were there. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't realize what, um, you know, how much time had passed between that and now. So not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And uh, you decided yeah. to stick around Savannah after you got yeah. done with school. What decided to, to make you stick around? Um, I just didn't really know where else to go. Sure, that's fair. <laughs> um, but I, I love Savannah, and um, it's very affordable to live there. And um, I, I had friends there that were still, and I still have friends there, and like, yeah. yeah. Why leave? Yeah. I wasn't trying to make yeah. you leave. I was just yeah, yeah. I, know, I, don't, I don't know if it's my forever home, but for now it's it's pretty good. Good, good, good. That's great. Um, before working on MPLS Sound, I know that you did some self-published work. Um, you were, you know, definitely made yourself around to going to cons, to showing your work, to, to kind of expanding that base. And interesting, fun fact, out of all the people I've had uh, do these creator conversations so far, you are the only one that I have a piece of artwork from in my house because oh. my daughter bought your Beetlejuice and Lydia print <laughs> at one of our events and that's oh, still yeah. up in her room. Oh, so, there you go. Awesome. So, so pro, yeah, big thumbs up to Meredith on her work. There yeah. <laughs> for you. breaking Thank through. You so much. Yeah. Yeah. Of course she loves it. And uh, so as you were, you know, you did school. I, I know at SCAD they give you um, a lot of a lot of tips on background of of how to break in. You know what what you need to do to actually work in the industry. It's obviously in their best interest to have their students go on <laughs> to do the work. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a part of that, when you first found yourself getting out there, what do you feel like were the things that were uh, most beneficial to like expanding your network and meeting more people? Because ultimately the people that you know who are able to yeah, call yeah, you and, and make yeah. those connections. So what early on did you feel like were really helpful for you in, in meeting more industry people or just exposing your work to people who could help you out? Yeah. Um, so actually, I think the person who gave me the best advice, um, who is now currently a professor, is um, Danny Chuatico. Uh, we were students together and they did a workshop on Twitter and the importance of Twitter and like social media in general. And like, the, that's exactly what you said. It's like, it, it is about who, you know, and um, all the editors are on Twitter. <laughs> so like, That's really where you need to like start promoting yourself. Um, and Robert Atkins also, he taught a class on self-promotion. And I think that was like the most helpful in terms of like how to kind of, um, uh, package myself in in terms of like branding and stuff. And I had gone to uh, design school as an undergrad at NC State, and that was also some things that I had in my back pocket as well. Um, but like Robert Atkins takes that and puts it into context in terms of like comics, and I thought that was like the best class. <laughs> like, because like you can draw good, but like you also have to be able to speak for yourself. And I think that is a struggle in a lot of talented artists is they don't know how to speak for their artwork and, um, you know, network. Well, Danny's a rock star. So thanks for, yeah, for dropping yeah, their name yeah, in Yeah, Danny's here. great. 
And, uh, and Robert, uh, speaking of self-promotion, told a great story a couple of weeks ago on, on this show about crashing Comic-Con parties and like just walking <laughs> like he was in a group <laughs> and finding the famous artists there and just standing next to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would great. also say, like, if you can make friends with someone who is already like, you know, kind of in the industry and then just follow them around. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to meet people. Time, and yeah. yeah, the first time I went to Emerald City, I went with my friend Corinne Howell, who, you know, she does shadow Corinne's service great. right yeah. now. And yeah, she's amazing. But like, I just kind of awkwardly like, followed her around and she would like go up and talk to people and then she'd be like oh by the way this is my friend Meredith and I'd be like hi (laughs) (laughs) can I have a job (laughs) yeah no absolutely it's putting yourself in your right Mm -hmm. I think um by nature of the work there's a lot of solitary time that goes Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. producing and even if you don't start out as being introverted or or whatever, by the time you spend enough time in a room by yourself and your thoughts and your your uh, pad or your tablet and whatever you're working with, then you kind of start to lose some of that or your your levels change. You as a person yeah. just change and grow. And yeah. so yeah. being able to continue to promote yourself and put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting about your design background too, because um, you know I, I know that you do t-shirt designs. You've got a great tea public store. You've done enamels yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you do have like a really strong design aesthetic, not just about you know storytelling, but in terms of how to create like a singular image that somebody could walk away and, and kind of take with them. How do you um, balance those two sides, the kind of designery side with the piece of it that, you know, okay, I need to leave somebody with a splash to take away, or I need to lead somebody through a whole thing. Do you mm-hmm. ever find the need to, to like, you know, kind of do more of one than the other when the job calls for it? It it is uh, it is a challenge that I'm still trying to find a balance um, with these two different like principles of art um, because like I said my my undergrad was in design and I even did like motion graphics and animation and like very like corporate kind yeah. of things and I've done UI design and logos and you know I can do all those things and I think I have kind of gained like a certain level of crispiness from those things. I love that Um, word. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way I know how to describe it is like, I I feel like I can make things crisp and, and, you know, contained and, but I also feel that that has limited me, limited me in some aspects in terms of like more traditional art and like trying to be an illustrator and especially like in comics, like drawing scenes and placing characters in space and, you know, making, a, a room feel livable when in my brain I'm like no simplify it make it graphic and easy to read and it is very challenging and it's something that I'm still trying to work out internally yeah process you know it's always mm-hmm. yeah it's always a learning process yeah. the process is a process mm-hmm. if you're just joining us I'm talking to Meredith Laxton Meredith is the artist on NPLS sound new from humanoids out today you can pick it up. Uh, there's a link that just dropped in the comments here. So if you're interested in picking up a copy for yourself, you can do that online. Stop in here to the store or your favorite uh, local comic book or regular bookstore, any place. So out this week, super exciting. Uh, it takes place in Minneapolis in the world influenced uh, by Prince. Um, what were you listening to while you were drawing MPLS Sound? 
Um, Do you listen so, to music while you work? I mean, I, I yeah. Yes. So I listen to music. I also listen to a lot of podcasts when I want to feel like I there's people in the room and I'm not by myself. Um, but I listen to a lot of Prince, of course, but I also started listening to a lot of Parliament. And I had listened to George Clinton in the past. And like when I was a kid, I was like obsessed with Atomic Dog for some reason. Um, but I really I hadn't like gone really deep into it. So I definitely like kind of expanded my musical vocabulary in terms of like older funk. Um, I listened to a lot of Lips Inc. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, who else? Someone else, Vanity. Um, yeah. And that's music that you already had an affinity for. I mean, of course, Atomic Dog, who doesn't love that? <laughs> but but uh, there, so that wasn't like out of your wheelhouse of music that you would normally, I mean, or or obviously this, I guess, encouraged you to maybe dig a little deeper or listen to a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely music that I enjoyed. I just like had only scratched the surface of. Yeah. And so I definitely wanted to get more into it and especially because like star child the name of the band that Teresa starts in mpls sound is like inspired from uh parliament you know they yeah. talk about star child and you know the mothership connection and all that stuff so. which is totally wild i don't know if you've gone down a parliament uh youtube rabbit hole anytime but mm -hmm. uh wow the uh, makeshift spaceship they would bring on the stage <laughs> yeah, and... yeah yeah <laughs> it's mm -hmm. a lot <laughs> mm -hmm. i've gotten to mm -hmm. see george clinton once and uh, yeah in a, a venue that was far too small <laughs> yeah. it was just constant fire hazard everywhere you turned um, yeah of, of, absolutely <laughs> but if you're not having fun it's not rock and roll i guess <laughs> so, yeah yeah uh so with the uh with the book as you're looking to put it all together and when did you complete your principal work on it how long ago how what has the break been between when you turned in your last pages until now yeah it was almost about a year ago a full year. Um, wow. yeah because like i finished it in 2020 um but like everything just got so delayed and pushed back because of covid so um yeah like I, i've been done for a while that's why it, it feels so unreal that it's here because i really genuinely like kind of forgot <laughs> like, that it actually so happened <laughs> yeah and then like suddenly it's like oh wait oh my gosh it's happening like it's time to do all this pr and like you know tweet about it and it's like is this really happening? Like, am I dreaming? Well, how is that side of it for you? Do you find it easy to talk about your own work in this kind of situation where it's out and it's a finished thing? Is it easier? Or, I mean, I guess with some projects, you probably can't talk a whole lot about them while you're working on them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm currently working on a project that I, you know, I can't really talk about, um, but I want to because I love <laughs> I love to talk about what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, it, it actually has been uh, fun. Like, um, because it's been so long since I finished the book, it, I kind of have to like rewind my brain a little bit and be like, okay, what, what was I thinking when I did this? And like, where did these inspirations come from? Cause like, I can't really remember. It's been <laughs> a not, while. You're not that person anymore. Yeah. A yes, lot has happened in yes. the last year. <laughs> I am, I am 100% a completely different person from the beginning of 2020. Yeah. I think we all are to some degree for sure. <laughs> yeah. It, and so, I mean, that's, that is interesting that as you were looking at it, are you the kind of person uh, who can look at your art, especially now that there's some time uh, with it 
that you can look at it kind of uh, objectively and appreciate it for the time? Or are you the kind of person who's like, oh man, if I were to draw that today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking at the book and I'll, all I could see was like, oh my God, why did I draw? Like, I could do this so much better now. Like, I'm so embarrassed that people are, oh no. Like, um, but I am proud that I did it because yeah. like it, it really was just a huge undertaking. Like drawing a graphic novel is definitely a marathon. And like, I did the best that I could at the time. And like that, I think if I keep in perspective, if I remember that, like it feels good. Oh my gosh. You should, mm -hmm. you know, just think about the number of people who, you know, have never gotten an opportunity like this. And not only did you do it, I mean, like you said, it's a, this isn't putting out a serialized 22 issue book over the course of a year. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a lot. And that takes us to our first question. This is from Maurice. Mm -hmm. uh, Maurice wants to know, once you've nailed down the look that everyone is going for, so once your kind of style guide is pegged for the book and everything like that, how mm -hmm. long does a project like this take you so and again mm -hmm. this is a full mama jama graphic mm -hmm. novel uh this is yeah pages. <laughs> this is what yeah. 118 something like yeah that? it's 116 16. i think yeah. yeah yeah um it takes a very long time and <laughs> and i can't so while i was starting this um there was actually a period where we were on hiatus for a long period of time because like the script needed work or you know, I was dealing with some family problems and like, so it's, it is hard for me to say how long this book in particular took. I will say though, I am currently working on a book that I started a month or two ago and the deadline for it is like October. So to give you a sense for doing a book, a full length graphic novel, like you're basically working on it for the majority of that year. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, and like you said, uh, depending on other things that come up, I mean, it's not mm -hmm. just about getting basic design approval or layouts or anything like that, because there are all these mm -hmm. other things that can end up happening that, are, that have nothing to do with you. Yes. And, yeah, because there's there's multiple hands in the pot. There's like, you know, writers and colorists and editors and like everyone has their own life, too. And it's possible that like anything could happen at any time. So um, for the most part, I think people are very, you know, lenient about deadlines and stuff but um yeah i mean it is kind of i mean it, who knows like who knows what could happen we had like a a, a global pandemic like, <laughs> like anything know. could really happen but yeah. yeah if i if i had to answer truthfully i would say if you're doing a graphic novel that is you know less than 150 pages like that's probably the only thing you're going to work on that year yeah no i think yeah. that's uh, totally fair Unless you're, you know, I'm going to throw Robert under the bus and work at two-thirds scale so you can do more pages. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, for his most recent run, he did not do that. And that was mm -hmm. a beast. It was a bear, I'm sure, for all those all those G.I. Joe pages. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So with the, we're talking about the book. We're talking about MPLS Sound. We're talking about this idea of the amount of time and uh effort and heart and soul and all these external things uh, that can go in it. What did you find as you were working through this process purely from, you know, your role as an artist, was there anything that sticks out as something that was like a particular hurdle you had to work through a, a specific piece of telling the story or 
choosing how to, um, you know, set a certain scene or display a certain character? Was there anything like mm -hmm. that that kind of sticks out as a, a rough edge you had to smooth down? Um, yeah. So I, and I actually experienced this with a couple books that I worked on um, in the past year or so. Um, at the beginning of working on this book, my dad got very sick and he passed away um, not even a half a year after he was diagnosed. And um, I found that I have been asked to draw a lot of books with like dad issues in them. Oh, and wow. there have been times where I'm like drawing and I'm like, I need to take a break. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, that's one thing that I really admire about Teresa in the main story is like, she also kind of has like, a tumultuous relationship with her father. And that is something that like the book kind of goes into. And even though like those scenes with me and my dad were kind of fresh in my mind, it was like very easy for me to like translate it to the page, but it was also like challenging. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, oh man, I don't know. And that's <laughs> a, such a, an interesting, you know, insight too, because I'm mm -hmm. sitting here thinking about like, how do you show a practice space and you need to do X, Y, and Z. And like, mm -hmm. you've got like actual things that you're working through as you mm -hmm. work uh, in a much yeah. more real yeah. human way. Um, yeah. But speaking about those rehearsal scenes, are you tired of drawing guitars yet or? <laughs> oh man. Um, I, I hope that people pick up the book and say like, wow, these are some good guitars. <laughs> they are. They yeah. really are. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I think that's, that's a... the best part of the book is the guitars. CBS um, era Fender Stratocaster. Come on. Yeah. We can, yeah. We can work through so, this. <laughs> yeah. So the best thing about the internet and technology nowadays is like, you can find a reference for anything. Um, and I ended up using SketchUp a lot to yeah. find models of different instruments and stuff and like rotating them in space and like taking screenshots. So I had like, you know, multiple angles and stuff. So like, if anything, I know that the instruments look good. <laughs> well, that is a huge pro tip too. And I think especially a lot of young artists get this kind of idea in their head of they need to just fight the man until it's the thing, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you had a deadline, you have a book. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and when you've got grown up responsibilities, you, mm -hmm. you draw the book and you're not going to find like the perfect reference. It's going to take you forever digging through things yeah. to find that one reference. Mm -hmm. So being able to, to resource the 3d models that people yeah. spend some, they're there. Use the tools. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not cheating. Like if you're using tools, and you're using them, you know, in the most efficient way. Like it's not cheating. Like, and is this book um, all digital for you? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did the entire book digitally. Awesome. And uh, are you regretting not having original pages to sell right now? Or? I actually had somebody message me today on Twitter and ask if I had original pages to sell. And I was like, Oh man. <laughs> It's a real, it's a real thing. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I bring it up uh, just because that is, I, I totally get it. You've got to work in the way that's best for you and everything else. But for a lot of artists that being able to sell those pages is a nice little extra, extra check yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, so I, during one of the, one of the hiatuses of MPLS sound, um, I got to do a single issue of the crow and I was like, well, this that's is right, short. Yeah. It's only like 20, 22 pages, like I can do this traditionally. So if I ever get like these one little one shots, I definitely will like to work traditionally again. I just like, I can't imagine having a stack 
this high, like 118, 100. <laughs> 16, I have a, yeah. yeah, I have a, of a pitch right now for a graphic novel that could potentially be 200 pages. And I'm like, can I just like draw all of that? <laughs> I want to find a, a yeah. sweet, a sweet medium to be like, okay, every splash page. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's the thing about like selling original comic pages too, is not every page is like, you know, a showstopper. No. So it's like you could draw 200 pages, but like maybe only 15 of them are like those really cool action pages that people want to buy. And it's so sad that kind of the industry name for those pages is story pages. Like, you mm -hmm. know, you would think like as a storyteller, every page is a story page. Yeah. But yeah. like it'll be marked like, you know, in a, in a, in a file of a collector, just story page. And it's mm -hmm. one tenth of the price <laughs> of, the yeah. next, of the next page in the story, which is next level insane. Mm -hmm. um, I'd also, I would love to know what you are actively out and enjoying right now, whether in uh, current comics, uh, if you've gone back and revisited anything or even outside of the world of comics, I think we're all mm -hmm. nesting a lot right now and like taking in all kinds of different things that are bringing us comfort. So what's, what's bringing yeah. you comfort right now? Um, so I buy a lot of comics, but I don't always have time to read a lot of comics. Um, but I did recently get Dryad volume one, which I'm really excited Shout out to, to Justin. Into. Yeah. Justin, he's so talented. Um, I've also, one of the things that I really wanted to do during quarantine was like support other artists as much as possible. So I have donated to a lot of Kickstarters. And so my, my, my email box is just full of like Kickstarter updates and like uh, of comics. Like I, I backed, um, beef bros which i'm really excited for um i uh support an artist on patreon and he does a comic called part of my french but it's called the motherfucking fucker and it's Love really it. cool it's about wrestling like it's just I don't are know. you a wrestling <laughs> fan or is this something that you're just like well this is entertaining I, for what it is a little bit of both like yeah. when i was little um i watched a lot of wrestling with my dad growing up and so like there's a certain nostalgia to it yeah um i don't really watch it so much anymore and i wouldn't mind getting into it but um yeah it was mostly just like the ridiculousness of this concept is so crazy <laughs> um and then my partner and i recently just wa uh, read ultra mega which was like so good just blew my brain and he also got the beta ray bill book that was really good I mean, between those two guys, between Daniel Warren Johnson, who did Murder Falcon, is doing Beta Ray mm -hmm. Bill, and uh, this uh, James Heron's Ultra Mega, and Brad uh, mm -hmm. Moore did the B cover for it. I mean, they're just like we are in a golden age of like people getting the keys to really cool things who never yeah. would have gotten them in the past, and yeah. it's spoiled with stuff like that. Mm -hmm. If there was a kind of a franchisey thing that you could just pick to do is there like a something that's a pre-existing kind of property mm -hmm. that you're like oh if they would let me do that that would be amazing oh man um i i'm actually not sure i bet yeah. like i probably could have answered this question like a year or so ago yeah um now you're too busy now i'm now i don't know anything <laughs> i what am i i just do what people tell me to draw that is I don't, so funny um I, well, I am currently working on uh, a graphic novel adaptation of a YA horror story. Oh, cool. Um, and, like, I'm really enjoying that. So anything that has, like, spooky stuff, 
And that's something that was already a prose novel that they've decided to. Yes, it was. It was. I don't know if I can talk about it. The publisher hasn't released anything, (laughs) but um, but I'm really enjoying that. So like any kind of IP that is like kind of eerie and spooky and, you know, I don't know. Got got kids on bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's, that's the thing, say. man. There's yeah. some kids on bicycles in it. It's kind of got some Stranger Thing vibe. Um, you know that that stuff is getting kind of popular now, I guess. Well, there's a, a really interesting because there's that '80s nostalgia piece to mm-hmm. it, which is like you know your ET kind of thing, or you've got. Oh yeah, it, it was yeah. just a, an era when kids were like unsupervised and like yeah, the streets. exactly. <laughs> That's, you can tell this book was written in the '80s because yeah. like no one's watching these kids. <laughs> well, it is, it is weird how that nostalgia has like resurfaced with things like I mean, yeah, Stranger Things is set there, or you know, Paper mm-hmm. Girls, or. Um, mm-hmm. alienated like some of the newer stories too that are in this world where kids just roam free mm-hmm. <laughs> and do whatever they want and you yeah, know, yeah my kid's 14 and she like has this same weird 80s nostalgia and it's I, i'm like where does this come from <laughs> yeah i think <laughs> like it it puts kids in a position of power and it makes them kind of the leaders of their own stories and i yeah. think that's why it's popular and like you know people kind of attach themselves to it um whether or not it's like safe for kids to have this mentality <laughs> nowadays i i wish that you know it was fine but the world is such a scary place and i i love true crime so obviously like my brain always goes to like the worst possible scenario of, like don't go outside you'll get murdered <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so i guess there's a fantasy element to it too yeah, with today's yeah. kids yeah, like I'd yeah. never be allowed to do that. And, and a lot of them quite honestly don't want to <laughs> because they're just as into true crime as you are. Yeah. We got mm-hmm. access to all that stuff now, which is just insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during this past past year, is there one thing that you have kind of found to be like the one thing you could never do without, you know, we've all been kind of more homebound and more insular and, is there just like the one thing you felt, or it doesn't have to be the one thing, but is there a thing during this last year? You're like, wow, that is the thing that is keeping me sane or has, you know, again, really just like, I'm, I'm good because that's here. Yeah. I guess um, I have like, I've always been someone who's like very attached to my routine. And I think that has only just become like more, like hardened by the quarantine. And I mean, like I worked from home even before, so it wasn't like my life changed significantly. Um, But like being able to wake up and have like the discipline to kind of do the same steps every day. And like, some people might find that horrible. Like, oh God, you do, you eat the same breakfast every day. That's awful. But like, I find a lot of peace in it and it does kind of keep me on track every day when I'm like starting to feel like, oh, I'm unmotivated. I don't know if I can really do it today. And then I'm like, well, okay, step one, like let's have some coffee. And then step two, let's do a workout. And step three, we're gonna clean the kitchen. And that to me has been like so important to my sanity and my mental health and the cleanliness of my apartment and like just staying like with it. <laughs> what is your um so you incorporate a workout as a part of your daily routine or most mm-hmm. most days at least uh what mm-hmm. is that like for you i think that's for a lot of people who are who are sedentary who draw who are have office yeah. jobs um there may be a bigger hurdle to trying to get active mm-hmm. and do something how what are you able to do and integrate into your day 
Um, so I, I'll just preface by saying how important it is. Like uh, last year, I had to go to physical therapy because I was having like severe hip pain. Like my, even now, my legs like crack like porcelain. Um, but like I started doing physical therapy and like that's kind of like I had done a little bit of workout like every once in a while. But that is really what set in motion is like, oh, I need to do this every day. Mm. And I noticed that if I don't do it, like even by the end of the day, like my back hurts and my hips hurt and like I just feel awful. Um, so what I do is I put on like a workout video on YouTube and I just like work out in my room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, cause I don't really want to go to a gym and like, even, even though things even are before. kind of like listening, <laughs> yeah, even before I didn't want to do that, but like, it's just so much nicer to just like sweat it out in my room. Like my cat hangs out with me sometimes. Like <laughs> it's super, it's super chill. I love it. Um, and I kind of alternate between doing like, you know, some like more yoga esque, like stretching and like kind of meditative stuff. And then more like high intensity interval training sweaty nasty stuff and about how much time do you try to block off um at least 30 minutes yeah. so like 30 minutes to an hour is like perfect yeah that's that's good and i love to hear mm -hmm. people talk about because it is mm -hmm. that sometimes it is really just the getting started and mm -hmm. then once you can kind of lock yourself in uh it mm -hmm. really and I'm not the one to talk about this because I've fallen out of it actually mm -hmm. during quarantine. There's just been a lot of, uh, what's the point of doing that today? Mm -hmm. um, but I'm really making an effort to get back into it now. And for me, it is that it's stretching. It's like really simple, basic yoga stuff and mindfulness mm -hmm. stuff. And I just physically feel so much better when yeah. I do it. Mm -hmm. It makes a huge Absolutely. difference. And yeah. that goes for not only if you're like at the desk, but if you're on your feet, if you work retail mm -hmm. or you're a server or a restaurant, I yeah. mean, like yeah. having time to move your body in ways it doesn't move during the course of the day, uh, mm -hmm. just makes everything a little bit, a little yeah. bit looser. Nobody yeah, wanted to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's people need to like, it's so important. Like I remember I was having like a discussion with some undergrads in a mini comics club. And I was like telling them like, you need to work out like and i'm not trying to say that you need oh, to lose yeah. weight i mean no. you just need mm -hmm. to move your body because like uh dove uh, always says that like drawing is a low impact sport and like i get it like everyone who draws all the time will say like oh i've had like wrist pain and you know tennis elbow and you know all these like pains because what we do is very physically intensive even though it doesn't look like it like a lot of people will be like you just draw all day, but like I'm literally like in this position for several hours and I don't move and I don't eat. And you know. <laughs> so yeah, that's another thing. Get up and have a snack and drink some water. And, yeah, for know. sure. Give yeah. yourself breaks. Um, yeah. I even got to the point where I have a little app just that runs on my computer that every half hour, it actually has a little screen that comes up that I cannot touch the screen. I can't do mm -hmm. anything for five minutes. So, yeah, actually. You know, force yourself, yeah. Uh, Tan, who is the colorist for MPLS Sound, um, suggested, uh, she sent me this video about like how to like maximize your studying potential, but mm -hmm. I kind of use that in the same way as like drawing. It's like you work for an hour and a half and then you take a 30 minute break. And so I would set my timer for an hour and a half and I would work. And then for 30 minutes, I would just kind of like get up and stretch and walk around and like do something else and then come back to it. And I would just like chunk up my day in little intervals like that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I am so glad that you've been with me. I've missed seeing you in the store. No, um, I miss you too. 
I want to remind everybody one more time, MPLS Sound, you can get it right now. It's finally here. It's beautiful. This is a book that is going to look great on your bookshelf. When Meredith gets back, we're going to get some signed copies around too. If you get one in the meantime, bring it back. We'll make sure that that happens for you and you yep. get all taken care of. Meredith, what is the, other than buying the book, uh, what is the best way that people can find out more about what you're working on when you are mm -hmm. able to announce things? And yeah. then, you know, obviously uh, pick up some of your stuff in the meantime. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at mayor underscore debt, M-E-R underscore D-E-T. On Twitter, I'm Mayor Debt, the two T's. Um, I also wanted to mention that, um, you know, I'm working on a book that I can't talk about now, but I recently finished a four-issue series that's going to start coming out in October, I believe, from Comics Experience, and it's called Charlie Spot. Um, yeah. My writer friend George and I just kickstarted the first issue fairly recently. Um, so if you missed out on that, it is going to be coming out in October with covers by Victor Alpi. And they look so good. And um, that Victor yeah. Alpi, pretty swell. <laughs> he's, he's great. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know Victor was going to be doing that. And Comics Experience, <laughs> um, kind of best known as being like a, a resource for um, artists and classes and tutorials, but they're just getting into the publishing game, right? Mm -hmm. This is fairly yeah. new for them. Yeah, this is this is um, kind of like in their first run of books, I believe. That's so exciting! I didn't know about that. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll. In October, the world will be so different and you can come yeah. and you can give uh, Meredith a high five from six feet away. <laughs> we'll still make you be six yeah. feet away from Meredith. To the, to the elbows. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. Congrats again on the book. I couldn't have Thank happened so to much. a better shop. <laughs> Thank and, you for having me on. and I can't wait to see you in person in the store at some point. I know, I know. And we'll have you and Victor back on uh, mm -hmm. later on to talk about that exciting new project. Thanks for yeah, mentioning thank that. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, thank have, you. Have a great night. Safe travels when you come back to Savannah. Yeah, we'll thank you. you. <laughs> Thanks everybody for tuning in tonight, for joining me with Meredith. What a treat. I love this stuff. I'm so excited to dig in deeper to MPLS Sound. Get it now at your local comic shop. Get it at your local bookstore. Order it from us online. Just get it. Just read it. If you love music, if you love comics, if you love Minneapolis in the 1980s, I think these are all things that we can all agree are great. Pick it up. Uh, you can always follow us on social media at NBRHD Comics, Instagram. Oh God, TikTok. Oh boy, I don't know if you want to follow me there or not, but it exists. Uh, <laughs> YouTube, Facebook, all that good stuff. Check us out. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for being here. And we look forward to seeing you soon here in the shop or online. Oh, one last plug. Our Pop Shop Lives are going to be every Tuesday for the foreseeable future. Uh, Popshop.live slash NBRHD Comics. Follow us on the app or uh, just watch in a web browser. We're slinging some cool stuff that uh, you won't normally see in the store. Thanks, guys. Have a great night.